Hey everybody, on this edition of Guys Talking Sports, the men toss it up for the national championship between UConn and San Diego State. Lady Tigers from LSU went on the women's side in baseball. Adrian called a little bit of wood because it started and the Yankees are 3-1. <laughs> that and some more jokes on this edition of Guys Talking Sports. Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. We are back on our new day, same time or a little bit later, but we're on our new day, Monday nights, which actually is probably a little bit better because we can talk about sports fresh as they come and fresh as they go. Um, so let's get started. And before I do, I want to introduce my boys, Al, Big Ace. Fellas, what is good tonight? Man, I'm just going to just say this. I am... I have a lot to talk about in this world of sports, so I'm ready to get started. Um, there's no soapbox, but I'm just saying I just want to talk about what's going on in the world of sports today. So I'm ready. Uh, Y'all can't see me. <laughs> well, and there it is. Is <laughs> <laughs> it any better myself? <laughs> <laughs> you can't see me. Uh, well, I think that yeah, will be what? the top. I think that will be the title of this podcast right now. <laughs> you can't see me. We got to have the John Cena uh, music that's going to pop off. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, you know, I was I was thinking more of the gas face, but you know, hey, that just shows my age. <laughs> RH too, but you know. In any event, we're going to start off with it. Baseball is, has has started off with its opening week. Yankees are kicking butt um, when I last saw it. Um, late, um, Lady Tigers from LSU won. Well, let's start off right with the national championship game on the men's side that is going in between San Diego State um, and the UConn Huskies. San Diego State, probably not the team everybody thought would be there when we first started, um, but they had a a magical ride up until this point. Um, but the last game in the final four with them against Florida Atlantic, that was that was a game. I was surprised that they won. Florida Atlantic probably should have won that game easily by five points, um, but they gave it up. Um, UConn just blew away Miami in the second game, which is a bit which is a bit of a downer. But I must say that last shot by the kid from San Diego State, man, that was about as pretty as a jumper as you're going to see um, <laughs> in, in most sports. Fellas, who is your pick um, for the game tonight? And we do know that UConn is definitely the betting favorite. Huh. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I would like for the fam and Quite frankly, I got fam that's in UConn. So as much as they would want me to pick UConn, I am actually rooting for San Diego State. Uh, I need that big major to win. And I, I, I really am. It's not a knock against UConn. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, not, UConn's not really that powerhouse. But I just need a mid-major or a, a, a someone where I, I need that underdog to win it. I, that's all I'm rooting for right now. And until an underdog wins it, I'm always going to be rooting for them. It's not a knock against UConn, but it's just that I want someone new to win. And it showed, I wanted to prove that, you know, this mid-majors can win anything at this stage, um, especially in the NCAA tournament for men's basketball. Kind of wanted, like we talked about before last week, that kind of wanted that San Diego State FAU to be the actual title game. Um, because quite frankly, it, it seemed like that would have been a, a great game to watch if it was a championship game. Uh, but I digress. Um, that's who I'm rooting for, San Diego State, right now. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I think the media, the, the betters, everybody has San Diego State as the underdog. But I I, I don't truly I, I truly don't see them as an underdog. Um, believe it or not, San Diego State style of play kind of reminds me of the old Big East. How they just really brawling and they're going in there with that physical style of play, and um, I think uh, it's just nice to kind of see a team that 
from my understanding, the year of COVID, when it when everything got shut down, supposedly San Diego State was just as nice, and they got robbed of an opportunity to go to the tournament to kind of prove who they were. And it's just good to see that you know they they were able to get back and really play well and come back to be you know in the situation that they are. FAU San Diego State classic. Uh, uh, that that last second shot right there, the buzzer was this butter. Uh, when you first looked at it, it didn't look like it was going to go in, but for whatever reason, it just kind of just kind of bent and came right back in. There's nothing but net. I mean, you couldn't ask for a storybook kind of an ending. Uh, so we got the game that we wanted, but we didn't get it where we would have liked it to be. Uh, I'm just hoping that this game is lives up to the billing of the last couple San Diego State games where it kind of comes down to the wire. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, UConn is UConn. They get the talent that they get. I mean, obviously, coaching in the past since uh, Calhoun left uh, has been the deciding factor why they haven't been as great. But you can't deny the talent that they were getting. They were still getting top talent, just the coaching wasn't there. You know, so... My heart says San Diego State. My gut probably is going to run with, with, uh, with UConn just because, you know, it's a Hurley. That's it. <laughs> yeah, I do agree that this uh, this finals was definitely about as as maddening <laughs> for all the uh, the pickers. I know my bracket was jacked up and. Obviously, in my office pool, somebody, one person, had UConn picked to get to the um, championship game and win, mm. and and there and they won the office pool, even though <laughs> the game didn't start because nobody else was remotely close. But um, but yeah, I think like you said, it's it's nice to see some new blood in there. I think um, for the freshness, um, and for the unpredictability of it, you know, I think March Madness kind of needed this and this kind of. I think this is what sets them apart for a lot of the other sports tournaments that goes um, on college football. For the most part, it can be about as predictable as you can get. I mean, you're all, always assured there's going to be an SEC team or a Big Ten team battling out when you get down to the, you know, the big game or at least in the, um, the, the, the four playoff seeds. Um, but outside of that, I mean, you can't get any better than this. Um, the one thing I want to say is that uh, on both sides, the women is sometimes could be a bit more predictable because their ones usually stretch all the way to the final four and sometimes they get into the um, the big game, but not necessarily this year. <laughs> right. Um, even, the, even the women's side, unpredictable. No one's which is just beautiful to see, but it's all about the, it's, it's the portal. You know, we were having a conversation earlier today if we're, if we're talking about women's and how LSU has their the local ties here in the Baltimore area. They have a baller that came from Rutgers. They got a baller that came from West Virginia. And Moki got all these folks out of the transfer portal and put a squad together and look what happened. So it, it, I think the way college sports is moving, football and basketball, whether it be men's or women's or any sport for that matter, if you go into the portal and you hit the portal right and you get the right players, any given season, you have that opportunity because it's all about the gel. You know, and it just goes to show with LSU. She came and she grabbed nine players out of the portal, is my understanding. Pretty much got a brand new squad. And look what happened. <laughs> so, let me, so let me pose this question out to you guys. So do you think that um, with the transfer portal and, and, and IL money, do you foresee um, this as an upcoming trend or a blip as far as not having as many quote-unquote blue blood teams? you know, in the final four or even the um the elite eight. Uh, I think with today's generation, like they don't care about the blue bloods at this stage. They just try to do what's best for I mean, it's now open so that you don't have to be in a blue blood university. 
to showcase your talent. And I think that that's what's opening up a lot of doors for all these mid majors, because I believe that at the end of the day, as long as you're able to play and they see you, no matter what you do with social media, with um the 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 um like the games, the mid major games now being showcased on TV a lot more. I think that now they're getting that opportunity, which is open for everyone that has that plays basketball to showcase what they can do. So I think that it, you don't have to be isolated to just those big conference teams or those. Um, big powerhouse teams like a Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina anymore. I think that now with so much, and it shows now with the tournament now, with so many mid-majors now making their presence um, known, I think that right now it opens up the door for a lot of players to say, you know what, I could do it anywhere as long as we're playing and showcase our talent. So I think that it opens that door, and I think that that's what's going to be the blueprint going forward. Um, I don't doubt that. That's probably 100% accurate. Um, but I do think now, especially with all these collectives popping up all over the place, NIL money, for some of those players who might be fringe, for some of those players who have NBA aspirations, but for whatever reason, haven't had NBA NBA type run in college, you know, they might take their last year or two of eligibility and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the highest bidder, whatever school that can sit there and, and break me off a piece of change where I can feel comfortable and then know that I'll probably end up going overseas to play ball or in the case of football, you know, uh, XFL or US, USFL or even overseas to play football for that matter. You know, they're looking to secure a few dollars before they get out of college. So I'm not saying you're wrong, Al, but I'm also saying that I think it's I think it's a situation where it could be fits for where they may end up. Like, what's the cat from, from North Carolina that's, that's in a portal now? The guard, I forget his name, Caleb Love. You think 10 years ago, uh, uh, a high-profile guard like that would be uh, leaving North Carolina? Even if he wasn't doing as well as he thought, but he was a starter, he would have stayed in North Carolina for the four or five years that he would have been there. Now, this joke after three years is saying, you know what? I'll leave North Carolina and go somewhere else. These jokers, you got some jokers here that just played uh, at Texas and made it to the Final Four and looking to bounce. You know, so it don't really matter. I, I truly believe that these jokers see their ceiling and they're looking to get some sort of cash out before they decide, to, you know, they want to make their next step. That's just the way I see it. Yeah, it's definitely a um, a brand new world, if you want to call it that, um, in college sports. I mean, you already see the quick immediate turnaround in college basketball. And and it's already been like that with college football, but the turn but turnaround is not always as fast as college basketball. I'm curious now with John Calipari now that he's gotten his um I guess what second or third uh third life back at St. John, how quickly is he going to be able to amass talent via the portal and NIL to bring um St. John's basketball back up to prominence? Because I know a lot of people I've um, saw that hiring with a raised eyebrow and you know, with St. John, <laughs> they want him there to get them, get them back to relevance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a 70 something year old John Calipari is better than, Though I didn't think Mike Woodson did a horrible job at St. John's either. So for him to get, no, Mike Woodson's in Indiana. No, long school. Um, I forget the coach uh, that was at St. John's. But either way, I don't think he deserves to uh, to get fired. But I guess, you know, St. John's want to put themselves back on the map in, in, in efforts to, to be relevant again. So I guess you do what you got to do. But, uh, and just and just like you said, you know, like Calipari did a, a did a prime, like, you know, it was good. It's nice to know that you were here, but yeah, uh, 
your services are no longer needed. Uh, we're going <laughs> to need for you to go ahead and just pack up your bags and get the hell up out of Dodge. In so many, in so many words, you know, probably much nicer than that. But that's this, that's this bananas. But you know, hey, it is it's big business. Regardless if you're just a basketball only school or you know whatever you are, as far as what conference you're aligned with. You know, I I think these athletic directors are under immense pressure to generate as much money as they can for these universities, especially due to COVID and and enrollment declining all over the place because more people are taking uh, online courses and not on campus as much as they were in the past. So they got to figure out ways to make money. It's unfortunate in in this in this sort of world, but I don't know. Like I said, it's 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 the world that we're living in right now. <laughs> it's the world that we are living in. Like you said, it's the money, money. So I think that overall that this is, I mean, I think John, the, the hiring um, for Calipari is, I think that there's going to be more hirings that's going to happen where people, coaches are going to look, they're going to look for coaches with pedig- pedigree and prestige. Uh, so to come, to be honest, I would like to see let me rephrase this i would like to see more of the hires that happen to be also more proving um not proven let me say this more um coaches that have the pedigree that done it in the mid majors um to get their recognition that they deserve um not always looking for people that just have that history behind it but also to give the mid-majors, they're just due as well and reward them. Um, I think that that should be the next step in that process where a lot of mid-majors is probably going to be looking at coaches that have done successfully well um, in the NCAA and to try to get them to come over to the powerhouse conferences. I think that's going to be the next step for these coaches. Yeah, and for clarification purposes, I said John Calipari, my mistake, that was, I meant Rick Pitino at St. John. I said John Calipari. So that was that was my mistake. Um, but yep, well, well, the men's basketball game is going on right now, and I do believe that UConn is ahead by four points with nine thirty-six left in the first half. So it's a lot of ball game going, and Ace will see if the um, the first half total score is over sixty. <laughs> But moving over um, to the women's who crowned their um, their national champion um, last night, the LSU oh, Tigers. On. What's the score of the game? Sorry. It, it was uh, 18-12 UConn. That's 40? 30. 40. 30. Yeah. 30. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, anyway, like I was saying, over to the women's side, um, the LSU Women Tigers um, won a very thrilling and at sometimes a little bit controversial national championship game. Um, the name, Caitlin Clark, she got game, uh, dropped 30 points um, and was lighting it up the entire uh, <laughs> the, the, the last couple of games in this tournament. Um, but not she wasn't completely outdoed by um uh by uh, and the name slips me. Um Angela Reese, I'm sorry. Um with herself with 15 points, but she came in with 15 points, 10 boards, five assists, one block, and three steals. But she was actually named the most valuable player of the tournament as herself was lightening it up all the way up until the national championship game, but she got into some early foul trouble. But we would be remiss not to say there was a little bit of controversy after the game by what some people thought was excessive taunting by some of the LSU players, specifically uh, Ms. Reese, um, in regards to the John Cena, you can't see me (laughs) gesture and pointing at the ring. Some people thought that the uh, taunting was excessive um some people thought that it was classless some people thought that it was dumb stupid ghetto hood however they want to however they want to frame it 
but it does spark back to the game before when Iowa had beat South Carolina and um, Dawn Staley got up to the podium and said that she was defending her players and all women of color because there are some national prominent writers that were taking offense to the style of play and basically being very derogatory to some of their players and how they play and how she coaches. And she was being unapologetic about how she coaches and how her players play. However, she said that some people in national media, national media will always take this particular stance. People thought it was sour grapes. Next game over, LSU beats Iowa. And pretty handily, I should say, after the first half, pretty handily. Um, you can talk about the, the, bad, the bad refereeing, the calls, and there were some, a lot of questionable calls, but Iowa got beat by the better team. However, at the end of the game, everything that Dawn Staley was talking about in her press conference before people thought that she was crying, it all came to fruition right after that game. So, fellas, a great game, and we got to give our props to LSU for winning. But what was your thoughts about the end of the game? And did you think that um, Angel Reese was doing too much taunting? It's sports, huh? I mean, that's what sports is all about. You're always going to have trash talking. You're always going to have something going on. I don't give a damn if it's men, women, children. Children know how to taunt. Children, these kids out here, these AAU, well, I don't even know those AAU games, but these little kids, seven, eight years old, are knowing to, to do the bow after they hit a three, and they know to be doing all this running down the court, and they know to be hitting their veins, and they know to stand over you and do all this crap. They're just watching what professionals are doing. So is it wrong for a woman, for women to go out there and do what they're doing? Hell, Caitlin Clark was doing this in games, but the difference is Caitlin would do it real quick and keep it moving. <laughs> still taunting, still doing whatever. Hell, she did that thing where one of the LSU players, not LSU, uh, South Carolina players was out there at the three. She pretty much was like, shit, I ain't going out there to guard her because she ain't going to do nothing. Disrespect to the chick right there. Now, it would have been funny as hell if old girl took the shot and made it. Then, you know, it would have been a different story. But where the hand or there? Nah, I, I got no problems whatsoever with you out here doing what you're doing. Not at all. You know, it's debatable when you know the game is won and you're kind of following them around the court doing it. Debatable. But, I mean, hell, it's still sports. Hell, these women want to win regardless of whatever team it is. Would Caitlin Clark been doing the same thing if the roles were reversed and the score was what it, I'm sure she would have been all up here doing this. So what's the problem? And I did learn today that Caitlin Clark, Clay, uh, Caitlin Clark is coming back. So you don't think this pain is going to hurt her and fuel her and all the Iowa? You don't think Iowa's going to get some top recruits to come in here because they're going to feel as though they got disrespected by some thugs? or some ghetto chicks, or some whatever. Oh, man, I I swear to man, Iowa is going to have that circled on their calendar if they can get back to the point to, to meet up with them again. I think it's great for the sport because it's only going to fuel, because this this little brouhaha, this little whatever that's going on right now between these two schools is going to carry over to the, the women WA, uh, NBA. And there's going to be some major, major shit talking there too. And I guarantee you that's what's going to propel the WNBA to even greater heights just due to the, uh, to the athleticism and just all the, the tension and the, and the trash talking. Because it, it took the Lakers and the Celtics back in the, the early 80s to put the NBA back where it needs to be and propelled them. I think this might be a defining moment for women's college basketball and going into the WNBA as far as it propelling them and pushing them to the next level for them to be a competent league and recognizable league where they're going to start making some big bucks because now they're really going to be some shit talking going on. I look forward to it. Plus, Caitlin's an assassin. Dude, she hit joints from the logo. <laughs> With regularity. I'm not talking about the, the, the shot here and there. Like, she consistently hits those shots. Man, Stephen A. said it best. She's the Steph Curry of college women's college basketball. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> All right, first things first. Um, <laughs> you, you have to give credit where credit is due. Caitlin Clark is an assassin. Like that, I I cannot take away from her. She's going to be a killer in the WNBA. Mm -hmm. I mean, she is the first woman to score more points in the NCAA tourney over Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Swoops had that record for a long time, for the longest amount of points in NCAA women's tournament history. And she overtook that with the miles, biggest milestone. Like, she is a problem. I give her that, that without question. With that being said, she was not enough for this championship game. Matter of fact, I'm going to give props to LSU's Jasmine Carson because she played outplayed Caitlin Cart the first half of the actual championship game. So I give credit where credit was due. Jasmine Carson is a problem as well. So for her to do what she did coming off the bench is very impressive. So she couldn't miss. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't miss at all. Like you like as much as Caitlin Cart was it was supposed to be that problem. Jasmine Carson was that problem for the first half, without question. Like, LSU couldn't run, make that run without her. So, as much as I like Angela Reese, don't get me wrong, you know, Jasmine Carson should also be given as much credit, if not more, for that game that she played, like, the championship game she played. Um, now, with that being said, I completely agree with you, Ace, and Quite frankly, I didn't have a problem with Angela Reese doing what she did at all. At all. Caitlin Clark did it. Um, even though it was, like you said, it was quick, still doesn't matter. Still a taunt. Taunting is taunting, regardless. You, the problem I have is the fact that people are saying that, you know, are going after Angela when Caitlin did exactly the same thing. She just responded from what she did to South Carolina and she explained the reason why she did what she did. My point is, is that if you're going to go after one, you need to go after both. If you don't go after both, then you shouldn't talk at all. Bottom line. If you really going to, is there's no levels to taunting. You're either taunting or you're not taunting. And that same energy that they gave that everybody, media, whoever was showing to Angela should have been showing to Caitlin. That's my only gripe about that. A point of clarification, guys, is um, Angel, not Angel. Angel. Sorry, I'm uh, sorry, and Angel. Sorry, <laughs> so sorry, um, Angel. Thank you for clarification. My point is, is at the end of the day, if you that same energy should be portrayed to the same way to should be portrayed to Caitlin as well, and what she did the previous game. And quite frankly, I don't have a problem if you if if you have a problem with the taunting, stop her. Bottom line, if you have a problem with the taunting, stop them. If you should have stopped them, then it wouldn't be a problem. Don't complain. And what's crazy about it, it wasn't even Caitlyn that was complaining. It was the media. Like, everybody up in arms in regards to what she did after the game. Like, why? This is nothing new. Taunting is always going to happen in sports. You see it in everything that you do, whether it's football, basketball, no matter what. There is always levels of taunting. And the problem that I have is that you're going to pick and choose that this taunt was excessive when, quite frankly, was all it was was a taunt. The problem is, is that right now, and now you see how it's being played out because, you know, now it's one side saying, oh, you know, we're labeled as thugs because of how we're taunting. Like, because you're not used to the taunt. We see this in every high school, AAU, football. We see it on a regular. We see it in pickup games. We see it in stuff that we just normally do at the park. So just because you're not up on the level of taunting that we do, quite frankly, that's on you. But it's nothing for you to complain about. It's, there's no levels of taunting. If Caitlin can do what she does with the John Cena thing, then Angel can do the same. Angel, Angel. Angel. Gotcha. Thank you. Angel can do the same thing with her taunting as well. I have no problem with it. Quite frankly, I I suspected it to happen, especially when you're coming off of an emotional game when you just won the championship. You can do whatever you want as far as I can, I'm concerned. You can have a tiara around your head. You can walk around telling them, now what? 
you can show and prove, you can do whatever. You just won a championship. So you have I gotta give kudos where kudos is. They won. The other team lost. Ain't nothing else to say about it, quite frankly. Uh, yeah, it um and, and not just, you know, just what happened in the South Carolina game. She did that in the Elite Eight. Um um, but the Louisville player when they were beating them and she was like don't talk to me when you're down by 15 said it bluntly to the girl's face and then had all that energy for South Carolina and I'm with you Ace I was all for it no a little bit of bad blood is not that bad I, I haven't seen this level of energy between teams like this since the old days when you had UConn and Tennessee Notre Dame, even Rutgers back, you know, way back in the day, they had some words and some exchanges with UConn. UConn always, majority of the time, got the better of them. But, you know, it was, hey, bring it. So um, I was all for it. Um, You could tell it looked like to me, because I didn't watch the entire game. I caught like middle of the first half all the way to the end. It just looked like Iowa had spent so much change, you know, beating South Carolina and it looked like Iowa went into that game with South Carolina with a big chip on their shoulder and they reveled in beating them and then it looked like when they got to LSU they looked like they was a tad bit spent like they quote-unquote shot they load before that game and really didn't have much after that and it looked like to me LSU saw all the talking so all the chirping so all this stuff and it looked like just whatever Iowa did to South Carolina, it looked like they had just a little bit more for them. And they was giving them the business from, from tip off. Now people can say, oh, the, the refs, you know, you know, had some bad calls. There was some bad calls. True. But it's still a make or miss, uh, it's a make or miss, you know, league. Basketball, whether it's professional or college or high school, and you still got to make your shots. LSU came to play, and as the one girl say, we're not a one, we're not a one-person team. You know, we're a whole team, and I'm with you guys. No problem with it. I knew when she walked up to her and waved at the end of the game and started pointing the finger, I knew they was going to call her on that. But I had no problem with it. If you can dish it, and all those people that wanted to talk about her, watch the last couple of games in the NC tournament and watch your girl Caitlin, and you'd have saw her doing majority of the stuff that got done to her. If you want to dish it out, you got to take it. Only one point I got to say, Ms. Caitlin Clark, when they asked about it, and she's like, oh, well, I didn't see it. I was just walking back trying to get to the handshake line. You saw it. She just took the high route. You saw it out the corner of your eye. I know you saw it. You just did not want to give her the satisfaction of acknowledging her. And to be but honest, you saw it. And to be honest, I hope this is a lesson for Caitlin Clark because oh, I think she's no, I think that's going to fuel the shit out of her. I think she's going to talk more shit next year. But then, but to be honest, I like, and this is one of the reasons why I agree with you, Ace, in regards to what this does for the W, I mean, for the um, college basketball, for the women's college basketball, because not only is Caitlin Clark going to probably come with a chip on her shoulder, you best believe South Carolina is going to come with a chip on their shoulder. And if they play Ellen, I mean, if they pay Iowa again, you best believe that is going to be must-see TV. Even I'm going to be like, yo, I may have to take some time to watch this from the start of the tip to the end of the game. Because I'm telling you, the receipts is kept when it comes to South Carolina. And no matter what's going to happen, I mean, if LSU, you know, LSU is going to be there, that's all well and good. But... I would pay to see a Iowa South Carolina rematch. Man, and it wouldn't shock me in the least if the if the ADs and the schools sat there and said, "Look, let's get one of these soft teams off our schedule, and let's get Iowa on our schedule to play out of conference game next season because they're gonna want some redemption." Oh, you know what I'm saying? And and they're gonna want it while Caitlin is still on the squad. They ain't gonna want it three years down the road when oh, Iowa yeah. becomes irrelevant at this point. Oh yeah, you know because LSU and South Carolina is gonna be there to stay. Not to say that Iowa won't get those players moving forward, mm-hmm. but Caitlin Clark is like one of those generational type of shooters when it comes to the to the women's side. Mm-hmm. You know, she man, dude, she chucking them joints from the logo. Yeah. 
consistently. That man, that shit is pretty. And they, you know, they always sit there talking about how these women play uh below the rim. Yo, some of those some of them jumpers they be stroking looks prettier than men's. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's exactly why <laughs> a lot of people are are more inclined to they're coming around when it comes to the um women's basketball at this stage because they like the game how it's being portrayed at the moment and all this does now gives the edge of making people want to see it more uh, all i gotta say from is um caitlin clark uh you know you won the naismith women's player player of the year you didn't get the didn't get the chip um you can shoot the hell out of that basketball Watch out for all the double teams coming right to when you touch that ball next year because all them shots I was seeing in the South Carolina game and this game of LSU, a lot of clean, uncontested. You're going to get double teamed. I'm surprised no one was trapping her once she got the ball to begin with. They were just letting her get the ball cleanly, dribble, and shoot. I'm like, where's trap? Where's double team? Nah, they was thinking that if you, Caitlin's going to get her points, that's all well and good, but everybody yeah. else is not. Well, that's what LSU did. LSU set sat on everybody. Yeah, they was like, "Yo, we're gonna shut that down," which made sense. Like, Caitlin can't score every basket for them, so it it was it was going to. I mean, it was smart strategy, to be honest with you. I'm surprised that any of none of the other teams have done it to that extent the way LSU did. I'm curious. I'm curious to know. I wonder, I doubt it. And and this is not a conversation between black and white, none. But you can see the talent gap as far as the type of athletes that South Carolina and LSU had versus Iowa. And it's not to say that African-American athletes and basketball players don't go to Iowa to play, Iowa to play ball because they do. But I wonder if the coaches at Iowa especially on the women's side, will sit there and take a longer look at an African-American woman and say, I want that talent to come to my school because Caitlin is nice, but if they can get a big like a Angela or they can get a big like the Ajay, what's the name in South Carolina? Um, Boston, I think is her last name. I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, if they can get a big or somebody, uh, somebody like that, Somebody athletic, quick, fast, whatever, whatever. Not to say that the talent they have isn't capable, because they're obviously they're capable to play at that level. But there's an obvious athletic gap between the two. When it comes down outside of Caitlin, that's where I'm going with that. You can still have a Caitlin out there just doing her thing, but they need they need somebody a little bit more finesse, not so not so much so heavy footed, somebody that's a little bit more agile down there. And I'm not saying they don't have that. In um in the white community, as far as what what would typically go to Iowa, but like he said, I think they did shoot their load because they really wanted to go out there and prove a point that they can go out there and beat a South Carolina. But then you got those real agile, quick, athletic type of players at LSU, and they just had no, they couldn't match up. It was a, it was a clear mismatch. Hey, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. So yeah, I mean, we see it in in every sport, you know. You just got to look at the makeup of the, uh, look at the makeup of the um the squad that they roll out next season. Yeah, I'll tell you all you need to know. I'm curious. It wouldn't shock me, but I am curious. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I I'll put it like this. I mean, I get where you're coming from. Um, at the end of the day. That's why your scouting and your your head coach got to do what they can to recruit their best players that they can get. Transfer portal is not going to be open. I mean, it's open for a reason, but there's going to be players that's going to pick and choose where they want to go. Right. So it's up to the head coaches. It's up to the coaching department to try to get the best talent that's available that to convince them to come to their university. And so that, I mean, you know, and that's for anybody at this stage, anybody that wants to, you know, as a coach, you have to do what's best to try to bring that talent to your team. And that's part of the recruit. That's part of the coaching process. So hopefully you find someone that is willing to go, not just willing to go, but willing to listen and 
that you can convince to come to your squad. Yeah, and uh, uh, before we before we drift off, I just I want to end on this real quick. You know who's the one person that was probably sitting at his home seething right now? <laughs> Gino, Gino, Gino from UConn. <laughs> now we will give him a, a slight handicap because two of his best play best players were out majority of the season. And so, you know, he's probably sitting on his couch saying that if they weren't hurt, we'd have been right up in that mix. But with those same players, you still got your butt waxed by South Carolina last year. And you got your butt waxed by South Carolina this year. I think he was more seeing the fact that he didn't get Caitlin Clark. She was supposed to go there? I'm just saying, I wouldn't be surprised if that he would have been like, imagine if we'd have had her. Oh, yeah. He probably like, if we would have had her, you know, we would have been good. But he got Paige Becker. So, you know, I think she has one more year of eligibility. So, no, um, but I'm saying the both of them, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. But see, back, back in the day before transfer reporter NIL, exactly. you know, would have had all these people, you know, hoarded on one team and just would have been reloading the clip. No pun it, intended. <laughs> it, it just goes to show that. Um, I think now these 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 athletes, whether it be the women's side or the men's side, you know, some of these athletes are just sick and tired of the Yukons, the Tennessee. I'm talking about the women's games, Yukon, Tennessee, Stanford, uh, Baylor, uh, Notre Dame, the same usual suspects every year going. So, you know, you had a you know, Dawn Staley and her up and coming coaching style at South Carolina. LSU is about to be a, a problem here in the next couple of years. Hell, moving forward, not in a couple of years. It's moving forward, moving period. Forward, yeah. You know, uh, I, I I would love for Rutgers to get back to the Vivian Stringer type of era when they when they were sitting there getting them top recruits too and just making a mess and it was really a rival to UConn and making deep runs in the tournament. You need more of that. But the problem is, I just don't know if there's enough high, 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 high talent players like that around throughout the country that can that could be like that diverse style of teams where you can have a multi a multitude of teams out there to really, you know, make women's college basketball enjoyable. It's enjoyable, but it's obvious. Obviously, it's it's catching up because in the day. When you had a one seed versus, you know, two versus a 15, you were guaranteed that the two would make it all the way. Same with the ones. But now some of these smaller schools are knocking them off. And I don't know, it's because they're they're spending more time in their programs, not transferring. Whereas some of the higher profile schools have those kids, you know, regardless, come in, don't like it, don't want to sit, and they're moving on. Is it NIL related? Like... It, it, it's it's hard it's harder to determine on the women's side just because you just you really just don't know. Yeah, and most of the most of the most of the players stay four years where colleges are one and done. So this turnaround, you know, on the men's side has always been there. I mean, it's not surprising that you had a lot of these quote unquote mid major and and not blue blood teams, you know, getting as far as they did. I think it was just a matter of time with all the movement around women's college side i think is probably starting to kind of trend a little bit that way but it's not as wide open as you know as men's basketball and they're going to have a little bit harder of a turnaround because women stay three to four years now the women's pay was as much as the men's pay oh you'd be seeing people like caitlin clark and you know you know angela reese and you know Paige going <laughs> going right. automatically but that's a different conversation for a different day <laughs> uh, but before we go um adrian's probably um favorite time of the year outside of west virginia football <laughs> baseball is on opening week was last week i mean opening day was last week and opening week is this week if how you would want to put it your, your yankees played the phillies phillies are really sucking right now and the Yankees don't look like they're in midseason form, but they they took care of business. <laughs> Let's 
So uh, what are your expectations for your Yankees going into this season? Uh, I mean, obviously they had a magical run last year. They, they fell short. Um, you know, Yankees is always championship or bust. So they, they feel as though if they don't win it, they uh, feel as though they didn't have the best season that they could possibly have. But I am curious uh, with the revamped pitching, their, their pitching, uh, their, the guy they got in uh, free agency is out right now with an injury. <laughs> um, and they, they had a lot of injuries sustained to their pitching staff during spring training so a lot of folks were kind of down on what the Yankees can do but they coming out matching right now but again there's only four games in it's just way too early to sit there and, and say they're going to sustain any level of success like the, the level of success they had the first half of the season last year when they're on a historic pace do I see that this year? No but should I see a significant drop off considering what their offensive lineup looks like? If they can weather the storm as far as pitching is concerned, I think they'll be all right. Um, I still think it's the AL East for them to lose. I don't think anybody should, should, uh, they'll have their challenges obviously, but I still think they should win the AL East, but let's have this conversation at the quarter point, you know, when it's, uh, when there's like 30 games in, 30 or 40 games, we can sit there and really take a hard look at what they've been doing so far. And can I say, can I, can I say the same glowing things like, is their pitching still trash based off injuries, or they came back and they're trash, or however it's going, you know? We just have to wait and see. But I'm excited, you know. It's nice to see that they're three and one right now. Um, but in the AL East, you got to contend with Boston. You got the Orioles is up and coming. They, despite them losing two out of three with Boston, they were putting up some serious runs. If they're pitching, and their damn defense shows up, Baltimore is going to be uh, a serious problem. Toronto is going to be a serious problem. The AL East of the whole is tough. The Rays right now is is at the top. What they're four zero? Yeah. Typical. I didn't even mention them. But this typical. They, 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 whatever <laughs> reason, they just win. They just they 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 just find a way to win. It sucks to be in the AL East. Yeah, you know, the Orioles had a pretty damn good season. If they were in any other league outside the AL East, they had an outside shot to make the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's going to be it's going to be a crazy wild season. But the, the beautiful thing about baseball, to talk about baseball in April don't mean shit. <laughs> Let's talk about baseball when it's July and August when stuff is really heating up and that's when it really matters. It means something. You know, it's nice to talk about for a snippet, but, you know, quarter market, I'll let you know if I'm 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 satisfied with what I'm seeing or if I, I, if I feel that there's some concerns. Ace is like, let's reevaluate out there. <laughs> come but see it's nice me. to have baseball back. Like, come, come see me into the summer. <laughs> <laughs> It may or may not be as good as I want it to be, or it could be as bad as I want it to be. Either way, it might be, it's going to be something. <laughs> Hell, everybody thought the Mets was going to be doing all right. The Mets ain't even playing all that great right now. But again, it's still early. Still early, yeah. Yeah, you know. Still early. Well, yeah. actually, the Mets, are, Mets aren't doing too bad, but they got their ass beat by uh, by San Diego today. Yeah. Like 10 to nothing or something like that. Like, trampled. <laughs> Well, it's the beginning of the season, and it's nice to see and the game's moving quicker. And I was watching that pitch clock, and I'm like, whew. <laughs> yeah. is blowing by real fast. Yeah. Makes me want to sit there and actually watch a game. I was watching, <laughs> I was watching some of the Yankee game yesterday. Um, I was like, okay. Because, you know, I got, I'm able to watch some of the games, and I'm like, okay, now this is not bad. I can, I can see myself in this. You know, so let's have to wait and see. Yes. Well, folks, we are uh, we're up on our time. Um, but before you go, tell them where they can find you at. Outside. With my mask on, because this damn pollen is about to kick my ass. So, <laughs> but no, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, CatDaddy1963, that's CatDaddy1963. Um, currently, you can find me grinding out on work, because next week I will be away on vacation, enjoying the palms the trees and this warm weather so i'm trying to grind this out 
So until this is done, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram. I am our crawls. Twitter and Instagram. I am our crawls. Well, you can catch me on Twitter, Snapchat, and the gram. Not anywhere. <laughs> As Al will be. Um, J.E. Ross, the number seven. Um, and before I go, I, I want to say I'm hope, hopeful that Joe Biden was just ill-informed when she made the statement about wanting to have Iowa and LSU to come to the game, even those of them in basketball. I hope someone on Joe Biden's team will just take it to the side and just let her know. I know you feel that way, but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. And really, you don't want to have that smoke based on how that game just ended. So my guess is it'll be LSU, not Iowa. And if she does and Iowa comes uh, by LSU, I ain't going. I ain't going. Because why? No one, no one does that. They had a great game last year. You didn't see UConn and South Carolina sitting up there. So hopefully someone just tells her this. You know, first lady. That's not how it works. Yeah, I don't think she understood the the assignment for that. So yeah. I guess she just wants a, a unified women's basketball. <laughs> but we're not excited because you're at the game, but that's not how it works. Now, if you want to bring them up there on some second place shit on the on another day, so be it. Nah, you don't want to nah. do that either. No, don't no. want to do that either. Yeah, don't don't take it away from LSU and what they deserve. It don't it don't work like that. And after this game, this really ain't the two teams that you want to do that do this with. <laughs> she, she, she might want some Joe don't want this. Nah, not good. Nah, there's other things that needs to be more attentive to than this. Yeah. So. In that respect. <laughs> Peace, love, and soul. See you next week. Or two weeks. <laughs>